The Lord be with you. Today is my very first Father's Day. Oh, thank you, thank you. Ah, uh, my little daughter, she's nine months old. She's over there in the corner if you haven't met Sophia yet. Uh, now, some of you have asked me what I'm doing for Father's Day, and the answer is I am preparing to baptize my daughter. Next week, we, all of us, will baptize Sophia. Now, some folks think we baptize infants as uh, protection against them dying and going to hell. And it is true that in baptism we receive the promise of God's salvation. But we don't have a God who's setting up random checkpoints to keep kids out of heaven. Right? That's not essentially why we baptize babies. Martin Luther says baptism contains the promise of God's salvation, but God is not constrained by it. God can save whomever God wishes. No, the real reason I am excited to baptize Sophia next week is what is discussed in our scriptures today. Baptism is how we protect ourselves against demons. In Luke chapter 8, we hear a story of Jesus going and finding a man, a Gentile man who's not Jewish, and He's possessed by many demons, and Jesus casts the demons out of the man and into pigs, and those pigs jump in the water and drown. What is that about? Well, let's dig in and start by asking, what is a demon? So a demon, we are told in 2 Peter chapter 2, is a fallen angel. Okay, well, what's an angel? An angel can come in many, many forms. Scriptures describe angels as being everything from uh, creatures with four faces and six wings to describing angels as being wheels within wheels covered in eyes. Angels are also described as young men clothed in white. You see, angels, they can take many forms because what defines an angel is not their form but their function. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which literally just means messenger. An angel is a messenger from God, and anyone or anything can be an angel if it carries God's message. Even you, even me. But here's the thing, the opposite is also true. Demons can be anything or anyone that carries a message counter to God. doesn't matter the form the demon takes. Demons, like angels, are defined by their function, and their function is to convince us not to listen to God's message about who we are and how God loves us. And the first demonic form that we see in Scripture is that of a snake in the Garden of Eden. Because, you see, God has created everything, and it says that God sees everything and declares that it is good. And so God tells Adam and Eve, you know, I have declared everything good, but there is within this garden a fruit that will let you decide good and evil for yourself. Don't eat of it. But then a demonic snake shows up and says, nah, you should eat of it. So what? God's declared everything good. Why don't you decide for yourself? 
And so Adam and Eve do. And the very first thing they do after they decide good and evil for themselves is they look at themselves and they say, oh no, we're naked. And they say, that's a bad thing. But why? God made them naked and God had declared that they were good. But they have stopped listening to God. And they have started listening to the voice of a demon. And so what they do is they cover themselves up in shame and they hide from God. The voice of the demon leaves them naked, ashamed, and alone. And that is how we see the man who is possessed by demons in Luke chapter 8. It says that for a long time he has not worn clothing and that he doesn't live in a house. Instead, he lives in the tombs. And the people, his community, try to lock him up, but he keeps breaking out. But when he breaks out, the demon drives him into the wilderness where he will be alone. The man in Luke chapter 8 does all these things because there is a supernatural being speaking lies into his heart. In Genesis, Adam and Eve end up in that same state of naked, ashamed, and alone because a snake convinced them of lies. But demons can take many other shapes. Some of the ones that we might see most obviously in our society are are the demons of addiction who try to tell us that we are nothing without our drug of choice. Or the demon of trauma, which tries to tell us that we will never be safe. We can even think of the chemical imbalances in our brains as demonic because they try to convince us that we don't receive love from anyone. These voices leave people literally every single day naked, ashamed, and feeling alone. And as a father, I am afraid for the day that Sophia has to encounter these demonic voices. But I know even before she encounters these voices, she will likely encounter other voices. Other voices who whisper demonic lies, voices that we have allowed to live inside each and every single one of us. There will come a day on the playground in which Boys will be teasing her and mean to her, and someone will say, oh, that's because they like you, and love feels like pain. And there will come a day on the playground where someone will say, Sophia, you're a girl, and that means you can't be good at sports or math or computers. Or maybe they will make fun of her because of her Mexican heritage, trying to convince her that some people are less than other people because of their gender or their heritage. As she gets older, there will be voices that try to tell her that she is only as good as the grades she gets or the salary that she secures. And as she gets older, they will tell her that she as a woman is, is only worth what she shows of her body. And then they will simultaneously tell her to be ashamed of that body. And I, as her father, will tell her, don't listen to those voices. But those voices will say to her, your dad is a naive fool, don't listen to him. And the wild thing is those voices are so ingrained in our society that we don't even think of them as demonic. We just say, hey, that's our culture. So much so that we might jump to defend those voices. If you look at our gospel reading today, when Jesus casts out the demon from this man, when Jesus heals this man, the people of the surrounding community, they don't rejoice. It says they are afraid. They are afraid that Jesus has healed this man and they ask Jesus to leave. 
They don't want Jesus casting any more demons out of their community. What? Why? Why would anyone want to hold on to their demons? And the scripture gives us some insights. First of all, it tells us that when Jesus casts out the demons, he casts them out of the man and into the pigs, and the pigs run into the the lake and they drown, which signifies real financial loss for the pig hoarders, right? Like, that's their livelihood. And the truth of the matter is many of us don't want to cast out demons because it costs too much. Today, our nation celebrates Juneteenth, This is a federal holiday that was enacted last year. It was enacted to commemorate not when the Emancipation Proclamation declared that slaves in the Confederate South were free, but when a general actually made it to Texas and finally enacted the setting free of those slaves. And so it's worth remembering on this day that Our founding fathers knew perfectly well that slavery was a demonic sin. They wrestled with this as they declared that God has given us inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But those founding fathers also knew that our nation's economy was dependent on slavery, and so they decided it was just too expensive to cast out this demon. And today, I I grumble, just like everyone else when I go fill up my car with gas at the pump. It's really expensive these days, even though I know a large reason the gas is so expensive is because we're boycotting Russian oil. But there is a certain level at which I wonder, am I willing to pay the price to help people in Ukraine be free? And if we grumble at that, imagine what would happen if we silenced all the voices all the corporate voices that tried to exploit our insecurities to make us feel naked and ashamed so that they can sell us stuff to make us feel better. If we silenced those voices, our consumer-based economy would collapse. There'd be riots in the streets. Sometimes we'd rather hold on to our demons than lose our money. But it's not just about money, too. Sometimes it's also about power. When Jesus asks the demon its name, the demon answers legion, which on one level means a lot. This man has a lot of demons within him. But it's also literally the name of the basic military units of the Roman Empire. The legion is what gives Rome its strength. And this city that Jesus is in healing this man, it's not a Jewish city. He's crossed over to Gentile territory. It is a Roman military city. The legion is this city's strength. They may not want to lose it, even if it is a demon. To say the sins of racism and sexism, they continue in our society to this day because there are enough people who feel stronger repeating the lies that they are inherently better than other people's just because of their race or their gender. But sometimes we want to hold on to our demons simply because that's all we know. Who knows how long this man has been chained up by their community. Maybe they think, hey, this is how we show we're good people. Every time he escapes, we lock him up again. How many of us have stayed in toxic relationships or kept silence during our family's dysfunction? Because while that dysfunction may make us feel ashamed and naked and alone, At least we're alone with our demons. If those demons go away, we may not have anyone to be with. 
to say demons are built into our society. If I, as a father, want to protect Sophia from them, I need to look from a a source beyond this world. And that source is, of course, Jesus. We read today in Galatians 3 that all of us in Christ are God's children through faith. To say what gives us worth, what gives us belonging, what gives us a place and love is not our brains, it's not our beauty, it's not even our good works. It is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone who makes us children of God. And so that we might believe this truth and silence the lies of demons, Jesus gives us baptism. In two weeks, we will baptize Sophia. We will give her the strongest weapon there is to silence the lies of Satan and all his minions. When we baptize Sophia before we put her under the water, we as a congregation will be asked to renounce three times Satan, sin, and all the lies that draw us away from God. We are asked three times to renounce demons. But in the ancient church, they gave specificity to what it meant to renounce those demons. They would actually recite what we read today in Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Those were the words that they said before they passed someone under the waters of baptism because baptism is the rejection of racism and ethnic nationality. It is the rejection of human commodification. It is the rejection of pretending that some people's potential is limited by their gender. These are demonic forces and they have no place in God's kingdom. And so they are cast out. But to say that we might actually believe these truths, we are given something in their place. Because every time we take something out of our heart, we need something to replace it. And so we are given in baptism three affirmations. We are given the affirmation that as many of us are baptized into Christ, we are clothed in Christ. No matter how exposed we feel, no matter how naked we are, we need never be ashamed for when God looks at us, what God sees is Jesus. May all the world see the same. Baptism affirms that we are never alone. For in baptism, we are made heirs of Abraham, the father of many nations. In baptism, we are proclaimed siblings of God's family, which is eternal and universal. And finally, in baptism, we are made angels. The man who Jesus cleanses of this demon, it says, after he is healed, he is found clothed and in his right mind. Clothed in Christ, this man wants to be with Christ, but Jesus says, no. Go back to your home and declare how much God has done for you. For clothed in Christ, united in Christ, we are called to be Christ in baptism, to be Christ for our neighbor, to go forth and proclaim God's message, to be God's messenger, to be an angel. That is what baptism calls us to be. And so that we might believe all these truths and wash away the whispers of demons, 
the promises of baptism are given to us in water. Because what baptism does, it transforms water for us forever. Now, water for us is tangible proof that we are God's beloved children. Water is liquid evidence that we are clothed in Christ. Water washes away every sin and doubt that can try to draw us from God. And so while we will baptize Sophia once next week, from that day forward, her relationship with water will change. Every day when we bathe her, I will make the sign of the cross and water on her forehead and say, Sophia, you are God's beloved child. God is pleased with you. And every Sunday when we come to the font, I will teach her to dip her hands in this water and make the sign of the cross over her to say, to remember that she is clothed in Christ and need not be ashamed of anything. And then sometimes we will take her to the creek And as she plays in the creek, we will invite her to to soak in that water and I will tell her, Sophia, remember you are baptized. Let all the worries and doubts wash away in these waters for you have been cleansed in the waters of baptism once and for all. We will do this day after day, week after week so that when the day comes and I am not there by her side, and she is on the playground and people speaks to her hurtful, demonic words trying to make her feel less just because of who she is, when a watery tear rolls down her cheek, she will remember that there is a promise of a deeper truth built within her. And when she gets older and the stress at work becomes overwhelming, she can come home and she can step in the shower and let the water wash over her and remember that she has received a promise in that water that she is loved, not for what she does, but for who God made her to be. And when she gets caught out in a storm and her hair gets soaked and her outfit is ruined and she feels exposed, instead of feeling ashamed, she might remember in that rain that she is clothed in Christ and she might dance with joy. This is why we baptize Sophia. When the demons possess the pigs, the pigs run into the water and they drown. And it is my prayer that whenever Sophia feels possessed by demons, whenever she feels naked, ashamed, or alone, she might also run to the waters of promise. And in those waters, she might drown the self that doubts God's love for her. She might rise anew in Christ as the beloved child of God that God has made her to be. She might rise clothed in Christ's glory, an heir to God's family. This is the gift I hope to give my daughter. May we give this gift to every child as our Heavenly Father gives it to us. Amen.